Good morning, class. Hi, I'm Keith Moore, and this is Faith School. Faith School is the place where our spirit is fed, our faith grows stronger, and we learn how to be overcomers. Uh, you might say, why, why Faith School? I mean, faith is faith, right? You, you have it or you don't. No, faith is something that must be nourished and fed and exercised and developed. Jesus, uh, when he taught on the earth, he, he, he referred to no faith. He referred to little faith. He referred to great faith. And it, it doesn't just come by osmosis or proximity. It doesn't just come by somebody praying for you for faith. Uh, it doesn't come just by reason of time, being a Christian a long time. Uh, there are principles that if we apply them and put them into practice, uh, we change. We could, you can make more progress developing and in faith in the next six months than you have in the previous five years <laughs> if you learn how. And does it make any difference? It makes all the difference in overcoming, in receiving, in getting light and answers and receiving a healing, getting your bills paid, uh, working out marriage difficulties. Uh, I don't care what you're talking about. The answer is faith in God, because he can fix anything if somebody will believe him. So get your Bible, come on into the classroom. Let's release faith for just exactly what we need today. Father, in Jesus' name, all of us, all over the world, join together in faith, asking you for your holy anointing of your Holy Spirit that teaches, that reminds, that reveals, that even shows us things to come, that brings to our remembrance everything that you've said to us. We ask you, Lord, for answers today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Turn, please, in the great textbook, the Bible, to Hebrews 10, and let's continue in our study that we've been calling By Faith. Hebrews 10.35 says, Cast not away, therefore, your confidence. It has great recompense of reward. He said, Now the just shall live by faith. You don't just get born again by faith, and that's the end. That's the beginning of a way of life. How did you, how did you get born again? And if you hadn't been born again, boy, you're at the right place. <laughs> this can change very quickly. How do you get born again? You make a choice to believe something. You become fully persuaded in your heart and you make a choice to receive something. The, not even any question or any close call on this, the greatest decision of your life is concerning Jesus. Nothing else even comes close. Uh, people sometimes, I've heard people say adamantly, you know, well, I, I just can't believe all that stuff. That's a lie. I'm sorry, but it's just not true. You can believe anything you choose to believe by nature of what faith is. Faith is not based on 
reasoning. It's not based on physical evidence uh, what, by nature of what faith is. We see in, in chapter 11, verse 1, faith is the substance or the confidence of things hoped for, expected. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. It's, and it's a choice. Everybody say choice, choice. It's a choice. You know, if I, if, uh, I came in today and said, you know, I went fishing yesterday and I caught a fish that weighed a thousand pounds. Well, you got a choice to make now, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> you weren't there. I got no pictures. <laughs> if you said, I'm sorry, Brother Keith, I just can't believe that. That's not true. You could believe it if you chose to. By, by nature of what faith is, it's a choice. So if you say, well, no, Brother Keith, I don't believe you caught that fish. Well, you just chose to believe I lied or made a mistake. You could have chosen to believe that if I said it, that's what happened. Faith is a choice. The greatest choice any human being on the earth will ever make, and that's a big statement, but I'm talking about for eternity, all other choices pale in comparison to this choice. Is God real? Is the gospel true? Hmm. Is God real? Does He exist? Is the gospel true? What's the gospel? That God sent His only Son. Uh, and He gave Him for the sins of the world. Jesus went to the cross. He took our place, became sin, and was judged for it. Died, but did not stay in the tomb <laughs> Uh, he rose again. God raised him from the dead, not for himself, for our justification. And that he is alive right now at the right hand of majesty on high, right hand of the Father, King of kings, Lord of lords, soon to return. Hallelujah. Now, if you say, well, I, can't, I just can't believe all that religious stuff. That's a lie. You could believe it if you would choose to. You shouldn't say, I can't believe it. You should say, I choose not to believe it. But, old friend, if you do, there's a dark eternity ahead of you. Because if you don't want to be with God, there's only one other place to go. And it's not God choosing that for you. And here, this is the big deal. God doesn't choose this for us. He really leaves it in our hands. Some have tried to preach and say that God has already made all of our choices for us and that really nothing is in our hands. He is controlling everything, including all of our decisions. That's just not true. That's contrary to what the Bible teaches. The truth is, He has left this choice completely in our hands. He will guard our right to reject Him. He, he will protect our right to deny Him and reject Jesus' sacrifice, even though it means eternal separation from Him. Is anybody in the class and anybody watching glad you have made the right choice? Huh? 
You might say, well, Brother Keith, I hadn't made that choice. Well, you got an opportunity right now, right here, right now. It doesn't take some big elaborate thing. You just have to, not just mouthing words or mental exercise, you got to make a choice in your heart. The Bible said in Romans 10, for with the heart man believes, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So if you've never done this, here's your opportunity right now. Don't say you can't. Make a choice. <laughs> Everybody said out loud, affirm or reaffirm your faith. Say, Father God, Father God I choose to believe in you. I doesn't matter to me what this ungodly world says and does, how much unbelievers mock and make fun. I choose to believe in you and believe the good news that you sent Jesus, that he paid the price for all my sins. And that you have raised him from the dead for my justification, for my salvation. Jesus, I receive you as Lord of my life. I receive the forgiveness, the cleansing, the washing of the blood. I receive your own righteousness. Thank you, Thank you for saving me. For saving me. Oh, hallelujah. hallelujah. Thank, you, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, how we wish everybody on the planet would make this choice. There is a heaven. It's real. There's a hell. It's real. Life is short. It is so, if you live a hundred years, it comes and goes so quick. You will soon and very soon be out of here. Your life down here will soon be over. If you live another 50 years, I'm telling you, it's going to go by. How many that have lived a few years look back at the last 10 years? How quickly did that go by? The last 20 years, right? Well, what do you think is going to happen the next 10 or the next 20? It will not be long. Even if by the grace of God you live a long life, it won't be long until you'll look up and you'll be breathing your last. You'll be leaving here. And oh friend, every decision you made in your life won't matter compared to this decision. Huh? <laughs> Say it one more time. I choose, I choose to, believe. to believe. I'm a believer. I'm a believer. Well, what's a believer? Somebody who has faith. And a believer getting, getting born again, becoming a believer in God and in Christ is not the end, it's not the you know, uh, ultimate thing, it's the beginning of an entire life of believing. <laughs> a whole life of believing, living by faith, walking by faith. And that's what we see in this great 11th chapter of Hebrews is people who didn't just choose to believe God one day and that was it, at every juncture of their life when they were in desperate situations and they needed something, when something seemed hopeless and helpless, they chose, while other people 
gave up and quit. They chose to believe in a God who is real, who cares about you, a God who knows everything, and a God who can do anything. And when they dared to do it, they saw amazing things. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody say, I'm a believer. I live by faith. I walk by faith. I receive by faith. I overcome by faith. I'm a believer. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And if for some reason you didn't pray that prayer with us, it's not too late. When this is over, you can back this up. <laughs> if next week you come to your senses, you can back this up and pray this prayer. But do not die not having made this decision. There's nothing you will ever hear more important than what we're talking about right now. Most important choice you will ever make by far. These people chose to believe God. Generations and generations prior to us. And we see in verse 32 that he mentions somebody by the name of Samuel. And so we begin studying Samuel's faith. Go back to the book of 1 Samuel again. We only got as far as his mother. <laughs> and up to his conception. But. It's, it's worth talking about because it was by faith. It was miraculous that he was conceived and, um, and was born. I mean, it's easy to, to rush past this because Samuel, oh yeah, you know, everybody that knows about the Bible knows about Samuel. and It's even a common name in our society, you know. And it goes back to here, Samuel. Uh, but think about it. If there hadn't have been that breakthrough with his mother in the temple, getting out of depression, getting in faith, there would have never been a Samuel. Hmm? And the things that Samuel said and did would have not happened. Uh, it's amazing how whole lineage of history and people and things can be traced back to a defining moment where somebody decided to believe God. <laughs> somebody decided God heard my prayer before they saw and felt anything. God heard my prayer. And this is significant because that's what Samuel's name means is God hears or God has heard. When she conceived, Hannah, his mother, conceived, uh, you know, this is a miracle. Anybody that knew her, and of course, she had been kind of a pill to live with <laughs> for a long time because she was so dejected and depressed. So, I mean, there's some big changes around this house. And now we're expecting a baby. And when he was born, the name was God Heard. Oh, somebody say, God heard. God heard. God heard. You know, uh, Hezekiah, the king, was uh, very sick and near death and told that he was going to die. 
And the Bible said he turned his face to the wall, poured his heart out to God, cried out to God about it. And uh, the Lord had the prophet turn around and go back and tell him, said, I've heard your prayer. <laughs> oh, somebody say he heard his prayer. He said, I've heard your prayer. I saw your tears. I'm going to add to your life 15 more years. Does it pay to pray in faith? Does God hear? See, there, there's people that don't even try to pray because they say there is no God. You know, there's nobody to hear. There's not going to be, you know, you're, they think that they say it's, it's ridiculous. It's foolish. It's just religious superstition. You can believe that if you want to, but you can believe a lie. The truth is there's a creator of the heavens and the earth. He's a good God. He's a father God. Uh, does he respond to everything that people say and do? No, you couldn't. How could you? But if you will pray a prayer from a true heart in faith, hallelujah, he will hear that prayer. The scripture said, the prophet said, if you'll seek him with all your heart, you'll find him. Hallelujah. Well, the reason a lot of people don't find him is they're playing games. They're not even convinced he exists. They're just doing ritual things. And you can tell people are not persuaded because they say, well, you know, I prayed that three days ago and nothing happened. And so there's nothing to it. I tried it. No, it tried you. <laughs> and you came up short. <laughs> the Bible said concerning uh, Joseph, and until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tried him. People imagine they're trying church. They're trying prayer. They're trying giving and tithing. They're trying faith. But no, uh, it's not really God who's on trial here. <laughs> it's not his word that's on trial here. He has been around a long time. He's established. His word is perfected. Um, he, and he's not insecure at all. If you say you don't believe in him, he still exists. <laughs> if most of the world says they don't believe in him, it don't change a thing. He still exists. And people can be scoffers and mockers and blasphemers their whole foolish life. But as soon as they stop breathing and they come out of their body, they're going to get a big revelation. It's real. <laughs> He's real. It's real. Life after death is real. And the wise ones choose to believe here and now. In uh, naming him, God hears. You, you see a theme of this book. And you'll see God hearing. And then by the third chapter, you see it talks about hearing God. God hears us. We need to hear him. Everybody say God hears, God hears. and hearing God. Hearing God. Now, uh, he was separated to the Lord's work and service from his womb, from his mother's womb, and his whole life he was separated to the Lord. And he is called a seer 
and a prophet. We've already seen in Romans 12 that if you prophesy, how will you do it? According to your proportion or measure of faith. Why is Samuel in Hebrews 11? He had faith. What, what did he have faith for? Because we already saw, saw that too earlier, that um, uh, this one had faith for this. This one had faith for something else. This one had faith to do this thing. And we're not all graced, and we don't all have the same faith in the same areas. So what did Samuel have faith to do? Where did his faith really shine? In, uh, he, he was a seer. The Bible called him a seer, one who sees a prophet. And he was a great intercessor. In uh, Jeremiah 15.1, the Lord said, Though Moses and Samuel stood before me, yet my mind could not be toward this people. This was at a very bad low time <laughs> in Jeremiah. The, the people had really gotten away from God and really displeased him. And he make, God makes this statement, Though Moses and Samuel stood before me, to do what? To intercede on their behalf, he said, I, I, I wouldn't, you know, this couldn't be changed right now. Um, so Moses and Samuel are held up as some of the most outstanding and impressive intercessors. Uh, Moses, you remember, he, uh, there were times when God was really displeased with his people for good reason, for, for good cause. And Moses would plead with him and say, uh, you know, have mercy on them. And uh, man, if they all fail out here, the heathen nations will hear about it and they'll say, you know, it's because God couldn't get them to the promised land. And he would plead their case and ask for mercy. And the Lord would say, okay, he'd forgive them. He'd give them another opportunity. Intercession. And Samuel was this way. You'll see it in the book of 1 Samuel multiple times that he would come before God on behalf of the people. And even though Samuel himself was mad and upset with them, he would still ask God to have mercy on him. In fact, um, he, they had said one time about him uh, praying for them, and he, uh, he gave his word to them that he would not stop praying for them, <laughs> even though they certainly weren't doing very well. Um, it takes faith to do that, and it takes unselfishness. When Samuel's mother, Hannah, came and left him at the temple, you got to get this picture. He's a little boy. He's not long weaned. He's a child. And they left him there, and the family went home. Well, that took some faith, didn't it? And they must have put some faith in him, even as a little boy, that this was the will of God and this was the plan of God and he'd be okay and the Lord would comfort him and help him. And so when he arrived there, things were not good at the tabernacle. You know, the people of God were coming and bringing their sacrifices and God had given them all kind of things uh, through Moses to do, and they were doing some of it. 
But Eli was the high priest. His boys were ungodly. They stole the offerings. They were into all kind of sexual stuff with people that they shouldn't have been involved with. And they just, the Bible said they despised the things of God. And the implication is that they, they caused other people to think less of the things of God. You know, when the ministry really goes off the rails, uh, people can get disillusioned and not even want to be involved with it anymore. And that's what Samuel arrived into. And you can see it made an impression on him. Uh, the, the first revelation he got as a prophet that's recorded was God telling him that judgment was coming on Eli's sons because of all of his sin and all his junk. He had warned them and it was going to happen. That's Samuel's introduction into the ministry <laughs> as a boy. And it must have made, well, no doubt it, it made such an impression on him that he was not going to be that way. He was not going to be a liar and he was not going to be a thief and steal the offerings. He was not going to betray confidence by having affairs with the men's wives and daughters that are coming to the tabernacle. He wasn't going to do it. And you see at the end of his life um, some outstanding things. If you go over to the 12th chapter here, In 1 Samuel 2, you're going to chapter 12, but in 1 Samuel 2 is that famous phrase, those that honor me, I will honor. It came as the result of Eli's sons being so ungodly and doing so many bad things. And um, the Lord warned Eli. He said, I, I chose your family. And I said, you know, I'd use you perpetually. But those that honor me, I'll honor. Those that despise me will be lightly esteemed. He said that because they were despising him and despising the offerings and despising the, the services of the tabernacle. And what you see is honor had kind of was gone from the ministry in, in those days. But God used Samuel to bring it back. Samuel brought back honor and integrity to the ministry. Well, that took faith, didn't it? I mean, when everybody's taking bribes, right? Everybody's doing junk and everybody's just yielding to the flesh and not your word's no good. It takes faith and strength to stand up in the middle of that as a boy, right? As a young man and say, no, I'm not lying. No, I'm not stealing an offering. No, I'm not going to do that. And by the end of his life and ministry in chapter 12, he said, Whose ox have I taken? Or whom have I defrauded? Whom have I oppressed? Who did I receive a bribe from? And this is after a whole lifetime of ministry, decades and decades. And they all said, Not one time. You never did it one time. He brought back honor <laughs> to the ministry. He brought back integrity. Can you say amen? That takes faith. And our time is up again. Well, we, as you can see, we're not done with this. You need to come back, join us tomorrow. We'll see you soon. 
again in faith school. I've got a victory living inside. Thank you for joining us at Faith School. Class is dismissed for today, but you can watch this and other episodes of Faith School free of charge at faithschool.org. For more information, visit our website or call us at 941-702-7390.